Welcome to the Navigating Cancer Together podcast. My name is Talea Dendi. I'm an 11-year cancer thriver, cancer doula, and owner of On the Other Side. I use my experience to help others get on the other side of cancer. Gaps between the guidance, emotional support, and education that are needed and what one receives can be huge. This podcast fills those gaps by sharing stories, resources, and information about all things related to cancer and wellness. I interview guests from all walks of life who are living with cancer, caregivers, and those who are thriving on the other side. Also, I talk with organizations, healthcare professionals, and experts in the health and wellness spaces who offer complimentary and integrative care. Join me. We are in this together. Disclaimer, the purpose of this podcast is to educate and to inform. The podcast is provided on the understanding that it does not constitute medical or other professional advice or services. It is not a substitute for professional care by a doctor or other qualified medical professionals and is not intended for the use in the diagnosis or treatment of individual conditions. Guests who speak in a podcast express their own opinions, experience, and conclusions. Conclusions. Neither Talea Dendi, Navigating Cancer Together, On the Other Side LLC, nor any of its affiliates endorses, supports, or opposes any treatment option or other matter discussed in a podcast. The mention of any product, service, organization, activity, or therapy on a podcast should not be construed as an endorsement. Hello, everyone. This is Talea Dendi from On the Other Side Life, and you're listening to the Navigating Navigating Cancer Together podcast, the show that has something for everyone facing cancer. Why? Because everyone is different with different needs, beliefs, and perspectives. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode. I encourage you to open your minds and your hearts. Today, our very special guest is Patricia Muir. Patricia is a veteran businesswoman who thrives on working with women entrepreneurs, executives, and highly skilled professionals. Patricia is an accredited professional coach specializing in emotional intelligence leadership, combining entrepreneurial experience, knowledge of legislation, and her work in emotional intelligence. Patricia develops coaching programs that support successful return to work after cancer and finding fulfillment after 60. Patricia produces the podcast Executive Encore, Women Finding Fulfillment After 60, and blogs weekly for her audience. In 2013, Patricia received her diagnosis of breast cancer. After a few weeks to recover from surgery and the shock, Patricia returned to work during radiation treatments. The logistical part of returning to work was the easy part for her. The emotional part and pressure to return to performance was a different story. Patricia experienced a loss of zest and her edge. Patricia immersed herself in intensive healing programs and group support provided by her local cancer center to support her healing and personal growth. But there was a gap. Patricia's own struggles and conversations with other businesswomen with cancer taught her that there are challenges and fears uniquely experienced by women who have reached a pinnacle in their personal and professional life. Patricia, thank you so much for joining us today and welcome. Hello, Talia. It's very lovely to be with you today. 
Thank you so much, Patricia, for joining us. As I mentioned in your bio, you have experienced cancer. Please share with us how you learned that you had breast cancer. Okay. So it was a very unusual situation that happened. I just found that my breast did not feel the same as it was say a year before. And I was already on a program for mammograms. And I went to my doctor and she said, yeah, she says at this time of life, sometimes tissues thicken and things like that. But she says, we'll do the examination. And she says, you know what, let's just for safety, just for an extra check, let's send you for another mammogram. So I went for this mammogram and it came clear. It was clear. My doctor still said, you know what, let's have an ultrasound. I said, oh, okay, I'll go along with it because I had a long relationship with my doctor. Actually, she was just a year younger than me. So she was always saying to me, let me know how this aging thing works, right? <laughs> just let me know what's going on. I went for the other test, the ultrasound, and I did get a phone call saying, we just want you to come back in again. Everything's all right, but we just want to do another check. When I went in, I heard a conversation. The technician went out and she spoke to someone else. And she came in, she says, everything's fine. She says, okay, you can go. Then within a couple of weeks, I did get a call saying, we want to do a biopsy. And I thought, whoa, okay. <laughs> so where you did change. this come from, right? And they said, just as a precaution. So long story, short, over about three months. And from what I understand, I was fortunate that it was just three months. I went to see a surgeon. And the first thing he said to me, he says, good on you and good on your doctor for following through like you did. He said, this is very small. He said it could have easily been missed and it could have grown over a period of time till your next test. He said, so good on both of you for taking preventive action to make sure that we caught this. Once I was in the system, that was it. Boy, within a week, I was in surgery. After that, it was near the end of the year. It was around October 3rd when I had my surgery. And then they put me into radiation therapy. So I went through that through the next couple of months was very fortunate because they also sent samples down to a lab in the United States. I'm in Canada and they sent it down to a lab in the United States that tests for the need for further interventions such as chemo or further treatment. That was about a three-week tense period when I was waiting for that result. And the oncologist by that time who I was working with came to me with the good news. She said, no chemo is necessary. She says, we're going to put you on radiation therapy and then on another medication for about five years after that. So I'm complete all that now. I go for my annual checkups. It was a little difficult during the pandemic because some of the systems broke down, but I stayed on it and I'm coming up for another mammogram in about two months. Wonderful. Thank you for sharing that, Patricia. I'm so happy that you're doing much better today. Congratulations on your progress. You. Like the surgeon, I would like to applaud you and your doctor because the fact that she took it a step further, even though it looked okay, she said, hey, let's do an ultrasound just to be sure. I don't get that a lot. So that's a blessing in itself. It was. I think that's probably because of the relationship I had with my doctor. And she had given me many breast examinations. She said something's not right here. So she went forward with it. When I was in treatment and talking to other women, I did learn some sad stories about where some women were told, oh, it's nothing. And then a year or two years down the road, it was much worse than it could have been. 
That's very unfortunate. You touched on a couple of times your relationship with your doctor. I want to talk about that a little bit more, Patricia, because that's one thing that I encourage people to do, especially when they're diagnosed with cancer, is form those relationships with their doctor, their healthcare team. So can you please share with the audience how you fostered that relationship with your doctor? With my own doctor, we had a relationship that went over 25 years. The day of surgery, she calls me and she was surprised that I answered the phone. She says, what are you doing? <laughs> and I said, I feel great. She says, okay, wait till the anesthetic wears off, she said, and it'll hit you, right? I had a very long-term relationship with her and it was good because the relationship with my partner, she was very happy to know that he was in the office the day that I was getting the bad news when she had to tell me. She says, oh, I'm so glad he's here. And she stopped everything. She says, bring him in, bring him in. That was very important too, because it made my partner part of the conversation as well and kept him informed and being able to empathize with what we were all going through. My other doctors, my other team, my radiation technologist, an interesting conversation with her. She said to me, you're an executive, right? And I said, yes. And I said, I own my own business. And she says, then what we're going to do is we are going to schedule your treatments for first thing in the morning. She says, before the crowds come in, and this is back in 2013, people who don't have somewhere they have to get to, she said, we can look after them later, but for you, we'll get you in. And she said, the other advantages, uh, the machines, they do break down. So she said, get there first thing in the morning, get it over and done with, and then you can be on your way and do whatever you need to do. So I thought that was great recognition by my healthcare mm -hmm. team that I had specific needs that were different from other people's needs. We all got the same standard of treatment, which was great, but those little things really meant a lot to me. Thank you for sharing that story, Patricia, because that's so true. Just having that personalized extra touch of care can make a world of difference. And it's very important because yes, like you said, cancer is the same in some ways, but everyone's needs are different also. You've been sharing with us what it was like navigating the healthcare system for you. Is there anything while on your cancer journey that you would like to have had more of? We have a great system here in Ontario for taking care of people like during the cancer and afterwards. We've got great programs and they're all free, but they do at some point, some of the programs afterwards treat us as though we're all the same. Our needs are all the same. One in particular is getting back to work. The programs are set as though everyone has the same need to get back to work, financial or employment, continuing employment. And many of the people that I was in the program with, it was general population. So they were more concerned about what their rights were what their union rights were. And for someone like myself, I know what my rights are already. Mm -hmm. I didn't need that information. What I needed was more of the emotional support in getting back to work. And someone who is considered to be a high performer, having those kinds of people around me, that we had some great discussions about how would we go back to work when we're afraid of how other people are going to treat us. Yes. Especially since some of us are already well-developed in our careers. And so we were concerned that we would have the biases that would affect us. So I would have liked to have had more of that. And because there was not more of that specific help for me, I created it for myself and I created it for other women. Wonderful. And speaking of creating it, Patricia, what was your plan for returning to work after cancer treatment? Because I did not have to have chemo, my treatment was very simple compared to other people. The physical part of getting back to work 
and the assistance I had from my healthcare team, the physical part was no problem for me because women are able to look after the logistics depending on their physical ability. And so I rescheduled appointments. Actually, some of my clients still do not know that I went through this experience because I was able to arrange my schedule with them. So that part was compartmentalized and was fine. The part that really got to me was the emotional part. As I mentioned to Leah, it was near the end of the year. I didn't have the advantage of some extra time over holidays. And I said to my doctor, sign me off. I'm going back to work full time January 1st. And she says, I don't think so. (laughs) She said, give yourself time to recover. I said, but physically I'm fine. I'm working at home. I'm doing fine. But it was the emotional side. Mm -hmm. On the other side of the holidays and facing going back and being at the same pace as I was before, emotionally, I thought, I'm not sure I can do this. And I was thinking, I'm not sure I want to do this anymore. I'm sure that I want to work with certain people anymore. Because all sorts of thoughts went through my mind. It was about, is this what caused it? Like I was running at such a pace before. Is this what caused the stress and everything that could have caused the cancer? So I started to look at a lot of those emotional things around cancer and around recovery. And I developed a program for myself because I do have experience in emotional intelligence and in legislation for return to work. In Ontario, the treatment for cancer is seen to be or is considered to be a temporary disability. So while you're going through treatment, employers are required to have an accommodation plan for you. So what I did is I set up my own accommodation plan. That's right. I created it for myself and made sure that all the best practices that I knew for getting back to work and honoring someone who needs a little special time, care, feeling of belonging, I put all that into my plan. Thank you for creating that plan, Patricia. It is so important because that emotional support, it really isn't there as much as it should be. It has gotten a little better, but it's still a void. And I really relate. That is what really prompted me to do the work that I'm doing as well, is that emotional piece that was missing. Everyone's different, as we know. But is there a common theme that you see people ready to return to work after cancer treatment? Is there a common theme that they struggle with? Yes, I would say the demographic that I'm in, the woman Mm -hmm. business owner or a woman executive, the common theme there, and it's in emotional intelligence, is our self-regard and our self-actualization, which means how do I feel about myself? And am I where I wanted to be in my life at this point? Because cancer is very much a career derailer. And if you're at any point of your career and you are, for me, I was at the top of my career and bang, something like that hit me. I had to take a look at all sorts of things emotionally and business plans and things like that. And at the same time, one of the reasons why many of my clients do not know to this day that I had cancer was because of that self-regard. I was concerned about how they would see me, how they would treat me. Would they treat me as someone who's no longer capable of doing certain things? So there was some self-doubt and fear about what people would say. In fact, some of my friends, I never told for quite a while because there was that concern that there'd be some biases around, oh, we knew this was going to happen to her, (laughs) things like that. And you're afraid. They may not say that, but you're afraid that that kind of judgment is going to come back to you. 
Yeah, so relatable. That was tough for me to returning back to work after cancer treatment. And you're right. I was very much worried about what would people think? I looked different. I had lost weight. So then there's that. And also, can she still do her job? So that is a lot after everything that you've already been through. And then you encounter those people in the workplace who just don't know what to say or do. So whatever it is that they say or do is awkward. And you're just like, oh boy. (laughs) And so there's just so many different things that go along with it. And that's why we need professional people like you, Patricia, to help people make that transition back to work. I want to switch a little bit from work to personal life. Can you please share with us how cancer impacted your personal life and what things have changed? Very good question, Leah. Personally, very personally, I did not want to go back to a pace of adrenaline, being driven by adrenaline. For myself, my self-care was ratcheted up. I've always been concerned about self-care being sold as a product of bubble baths, manicures, getting your hair cut and things like that. And I've always talked to younger women in particular, about self-care is emotional self-care as well. So those boundaries, having those boundaries, you are not subjected to, and especially in returning to work after cancer as well. It's very important to be able to have those boundaries. Things that people cannot do to you or say to you are very important. So personally, I went through the exercises again about what I would not accept in my life. And that included some friends. Like there's still friends but they're not in that close circle anymore. They're a needs to know circle. So my personal relationships changed. I have a great network of women that is an asset to my business and an asset to me personally. But I found that if there was any drama from that network, I had to put the boundary in place that I had to stay away from that kind of thing. Now, with my personal relationships, I have a grown son and my partner. One of the things that I noticed was, and I think a lot of people have this reaction, because your family wants it to be over. Yes, true. It's stressful for them, right? It's Mm -hmm. stressful to see their loved one not well. And so there was the expectation that, oh, everything's over now. Let's get on with our lives the way it was before. So I had to have some conversations with those who were closer to me and some very emotional conversations about this is not over for me. You can put a certain part of it away for a while. But for me, you've probably heard this saying that it's a club that you can't quit. You're Mm -hmm. in it for life. Every year when I have an examination, there's those two weeks of high stress time when you're waiting for results and making deals with yourself about, okay, have I done my best to keep myself healthy? Yeah. Yeah. So those are the sort of things personally I went through. You've covered so many important topics and changes and conversations that you've had. And I love that you had those conversations with your loved ones and you said, this is not over because you're right. Many people think, okay, she's done with her treatment. Let's get back to it. That is not reality. And I just want to encourage anyone that has that thinking just to stop because that's just not real. So much has changed. And the person who is experiencing cancer, their perspective has changed on a lot of things as well. And you covered that also, Patricia. Yeah. And those relationships, you evaluate those. And as you explained, you're looking for those areas of stress that you can eliminate. Because like you said, going off of that adrenaline all the time, being a business owner, you're constantly busy, constantly doing this and that. But you have to figure out ways to lower that level of stress so that you can get and stay healthy. 
Mm-hmm. So thank you for covering those things. As far as being a business owner, and we're responsible for just about everything. And when something goes wrong, we're responsible for that too. Patricia, what challenges came up for you as a business owner? I would say a big challenge for me was who to confide in. Because mm-hmm. as a business owner, yes, it's all about you helping other people. Even if you have employees, it's about your employees' best interests you're thinking of. So for me, I had to be very selective about who I would let into my most inner doubtful thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. That was the biggest challenge for me. One of the other challenges, now that I think about it, was dealing with the whole insurance. I'd heard other people have worse experiences than I had. But for me, I had to be very careful again about divulging just how well I was feeling because it could come back to bite me when I wasn't feeling that great. So Mm -hmm. that was a conversation I had with my doctor as well. She said, we're going to keep you at a certain status until we're both assured that you're ready to be signed off because I had a business disability insurance. But I heard some stories from other people that I think it's it's almost criminal that they have to go through the stress and the follow-up that they have to go through to get what is rightly there especially while they are not well. I've heard those stories too, and it's really sad. And that's why it's so important to have someone in your life who can advocate for you when you're not feeling your best so that you can make sure you get those things that you need and that you deserve. Because unfortunately, if you're not able to push those things through and keep asking those questions and keep showing up and things like that, you will fall through their cracks. So having that additional layer of support makes a world of difference. Yeah, I think that's a very important point. I wish there were more people who were advocates, even if we had reasonable fee basis, because when someone is not well, mentally, emotionally, and physically, they don't have the capacity to jump through the hoops that the systems make you jump through sometimes. It's very inequitable. Patricia, were there any challenges that you didn't expect? I'd say that going back to the emotional side, I didn't expect that. I was fairly strong emotionally, pretty gung-ho to get back to work because I love my work. Then I had that little thing just come and tap me on the shoulder and say, you're not ready emotionally. You need to check out for a while or you need to slow down for a while. You need to stop putting pressure on yourself to be out there with people. You need to just take the time and do more of your self work. Like what do you really want in life? And who do you really want to work with? (laughs) Because that was a big pivotal point for me. I had some clients that I had for a long time and I believe the very energy that they put out was not good for me. So I put them on notice that I was not going to work in that industry anymore. They were very disappointed. And they said, but would you stay on? Actually, they put it to me, well, you're letting us down. And I thought to myself, no, I have to stand up for myself here, not for them. So I did work with them for a little while and I eased them out by actually asking them to bring someone else on board that I'd be very happy to train. Mm -hmm. They can take over. And that allowed me to move from that industry to an industry and the people that I love to work with. And I love to work with women business owners. I love that. That is a great example of self-care and doing what you need to do for you. That is so important. I know you moved past it, but one thing I want to ask you, Patricia, is when that feeling initially came up, And that thing was tapping you on the shoulder. Did you resist it or ignore it at first? I think the right way to describe it is that I tried to fight through it. Mm -hmm. It was very exhausting to the point where, you know, how sometimes when you fight through something, 
you get to the point where you say, that's it, I'm out of here. I'm not doing this anymore. That's not exactly the best place to be. It's much better to slowly get to a point where I'm doing what's right for me. This is not right for me. So it's a a gentle transition. Whereas when you're fighting it, you're using up an awful lot of energy, which your body needs to heal. And so I think that's an important message that when we have that tap on the shoulder, listen to it. Because when you think about it, that little tap on the shoulder or in the breast at the very beginning, I listened to it. I thought, this doesn't seem right. And it worked out to be the right choice to do something about it. Patricia, you have developed Thrive After Cancer. Please tell us more about it and how it helps executive women return to work and overcome those emotional challenges. The program can be in a number of different ways. It can be an online program that's also supported by group coaching because women do very well in groups because we support one another in groups and we become allies to one another. Um, The program also does focus very much on the emotional intelligence. So we do start with self-regard, like, how do you feel about yourself? Because that's how you're going to show up in the world. So where are you at the moment? Is this where you want to be? What's the perception of who you are? Because these women have built magnificent careers, and then all of a sudden, they are derailed. And one of their fears is when they go back, especially if they're at the boardroom level, the people around them know they've been missing for a while. They don't necessarily know why if there's no physical indication or if everything is very private. But there's the concern that she has that when she goes back, they're going to treat her different. Can she still hack it? Mm -hmm. still perform. I do know many women who have gone back to work and they knew the day they returned that they were being put into positions that was to move them out of this high level position. So that's where they again get the attack on the self-regard. They start to doubt themselves. But the other thing is that just the gender bias sometimes Mm -hmm. around women's health, the comments about we knew this would happen if we had a woman on the board. That for some reason, she'd have a woman's health issue and she wouldn't be able to perform. So that adds a bit by bit of inability. So she's not able to do it anymore. So then she gets pushed aside and all the inequity starts to build up. That's a big part of it. So it's self-awareness, looking at those fears and then going into some building your personal relationships, as I mentioned before, like examining those relationships. Which ones align with what you want in your life now, both work and personally, because they do go together and be very, I, I talk about no being a complete sentence, but I also speak about no is preventive action. Say no, because it's going to prevent an awful lot of anguish. So you can decide later what you want to do and you can always go back. Program is mixed with things like that, with things that I've learned over the years about self-care. The program also talks about the decision-making because that's in emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. Decisions are not about, okay, so when do I go back to work? It's about, is this the right time to go back to work? So it's a decision that's made on an emotional basis. It's not a logistical challenge. It's emotional. So is this the right decision for me at the moment? Because we can, similar to me, we can be quite impulsive and want to get back to work, (laughs) get back to life the way it was before. So the program goes into those sort of things. Now, the program does start with an assessment, an EQ assessment, because emotional intelligence is fluid. It changes depending on what situation we're in. So for example, loss and grief, that's cancer as well. We lose a piece of ourselves. Physically sometimes, but even emotionally, we lose a bit of ourselves. It feels a loss in our life. 
So how do we deal with that? When we're in a situation like that, our optimism can drop. And when you think about it, for us to have a healthy return to work, we need to have some level of optimism. So the program goes all the way through to optimism and stress tolerance. So there's some recommendations for some great movies to watch as part of the stress tolerance, but looking at it from an emotional intelligence point of view. And one of the best movies, especially for women and to watch with young women and young girls is the Pixar movie in inside out. Oh, yes. When you watch that the next time, relate it to the emotional journey you went through when you were going through your cancer treatment. You lose a bit of your character, you build a bit of your character. Your memories of cancer are not all that good, (laughs) except Mm. for the good news. So it's an all-encompassing program that helps women to be prepared to not only go back to work, it's best if they do it while, if they're able to, while they're in treatment, I've had HR and insurance people tell me it's best for this program to be introduced before they go back to work because then it prepares them for going back to work. So it can be up to a year or even more on a schedule of coaching to support the woman individually and as a group. One thing that I thought about, and this happened for me, and you touched on it a little bit as far as the people you work with, certain services you would be offering. How do you work with women who have decided, I want to do a total 360 in my career? Career change comes up a lot when people have been diagnosed with cancer. And when it's time to return to work, they realize they weren't all that happy. (laughs) So for people that just want to do that complete 360 career change, do you support them as well? I do. And I love doing that. My change was a little shift. Like you said, other women, it's a big 360. And I love supporting them because that's where we get to explore the things that they put on the back burner, why they were Mm -hmm. building their career. I'm a great example because I was working in some pretty tough industries, but I loved working with women. So it actually allowed me to examine like, why am I working in this industry that does not give me any satisfaction? So Although I did not change my career, I shifted. So that would be a conversation I'd have with these women is what is it that you always wanted to do? And you're so stuck in this track of, for example, a corporate life that you never had an opportunity to develop that side of yourself. Then let's look at where there's opportunities for you to use those skills because we've all built great skills and great wisdom through our careers. This is the best time, like whether it's cancer recovery or at this time, our lives now. Now to explore those things and really get into something that is fulfilling to us. That is my other program is about executive encore, women finding fulfillment after 60, because I'm after 60. Again, best time to start that is when you're 45, 50, start looking at what's your next move going to be and how can it be completely different than the track that you're on. So in a sense, creating that plan, even if you don't make a shift right now, but having a plan in place and you can start taking those steps gradually if you're not ready to do a complete 360. Yes. While you're working, it can be an opportunity for you to invest in the education that you need for that next move. It could be the time to explore certain things that you thought you might like. And then you might find out, no, I don't like that. But you still have a good runway then to adjust your flight plan, so to speak. Patricia, if anyone out there listening is interested in learning more about you, the programs that you offer and the support that you provide, where can they find you? The best place to find me is on my website, and it's a very easy website to remember. It's patriciamuir.com. So the Muir is spelled M-U-I-R. 
and my different programs are on there. In fact, there is a program that uh, someone could take online to be introduced to emotional intelligence. Wonderful. The fact that Patricia really advocates for emotional intelligence, that's a huge part of her program. Just know that is very critical and it impacts every area of your life. If you're really looking forward to taking that step and making those changes and getting in tune with what you really want, I believe this is a great place to start because our emotional intelligence plays a big part in everything that we do and the decisions that we make. Thank you for what you do, Patricia. Thank you, Toya. Before we end, Patricia, I like to ask my guests these two questions. The first one is, what do people often misunderstand about you? (laughs) I get that Uh, response all the time. (laughs) Good question. What do they misunderstand? Well, it just came up today and it's just a little thing. But when I ask someone about something that they love, they say, why do you want to know that? Because I want to support you. So maybe it's about what's her agenda and asking that but I'm just curious I'm curious like what would really make you feel good go watch a baseball game and I'd love to support you in that even though I don't follow baseball I'd love to sit down and watch baseball with you if that's going to make you happy thank you for sharing that that's a good one yeah like why are you asking these questions (laughs) what do you really want (laughs) yeah Yes. A little suspicious. Wonderful. Patricia, if you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be and why? There's the obvious spots like St. Martin, Mm -hmm. because I've been there several times. It's just beautiful scenery, ocean. And I think I'm not a Caribbean island girl, but I'm a British Isle girl. I'm from the UK. So I think that there is that root of island being on an island or from an island I would really like to go back home Mm. I would like to go back home to where I was born I only lived there for five years before I came to Canada but there's a route that I think calls us back so that's where I'd like to go and live for a while I can understand that's a part of your fiber in a sense your history and so I could definitely understand that wanting to go back home before we end is there anything else that you would like to share Well, I really appreciate me being able to share my story and share how I can help other women in particular, whether they're thriving after cancer or they're thriving after 60. The one thing that I would like to say, there was one part of my inner work that was really good. And that was when something like cancer happens to us, sometimes we think we've been betrayed by our body. And someone pointed out to me, They said, when you think about what your body is going through in treatment and it's still working for you, it is working for you. It's not betraying you. It had this glitch. So you need to do everything that you can do to support the good work that your body's doing. So I think that's why I love to tell women is that, no, don't think that your body's betrayed you. It's actually working very strongly for you. It's magic. It's magic. Well, thank you for sharing that, Patricia. That really spoke to my heart because as women, we can be really tough on our bodies and our body images and our body is working for us. If we're still sitting here, like you said, after all of that, it did its job. It's doing its job. And I think that just having more kindness, compassion and love for our bodies, no matter what shape, size, whatever, I think that is a part of healing too. Yeah, I think you've said that very well. Patricia, it has been such a pleasure talking with you. And I want to thank you for coming on and sharing your story for all the work that you do to support women. And we need you. That transition back to work is a tough part of the journey as well. People like you, Patricia, help to make it easier. I'm happy I can do that. Thank you.
Before we end today, I'd like to give a shout out to the listeners. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please share, follow, or subscribe so that you can easily find my podcast and listen again. That is it for this Wednesday. And until next time, let's keep navigating cancer together. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Navigating Cancer Together. I hope you enjoyed it. Please be sure to subscribe. And if you enjoyed the show, please share or tell your friends and family about it. For notes from the show and previous episodes, visit ontheotherside.life and check out the podcast section. I would love it if you joined us for the next episode. Talk to you soon.